This is Deep Blue, where we get the true life stories of BYU athletes, coaches, and fans. Here's your host, Jerem Jordan. On today's show, I talk with one of the best players to ever play men's volleyball at BYU. He's a two-time All-American who has won the Karch Karai Award for Best Outside Hitter. He's gone viral with multiple behind-the-head kills. He's the son of legendary players in Italy. He is Davide Gardini. Davide, what's up, man? What's up, Jim? Thank you for having me. It's Thanks fun. for being on the show. I think you're the first Italian in, oh, that we've ever history. had. Making history right Making here. history, which is exactly right. <laughs> Love it. So we first met a couple years ago when you came as a freshman on campus. Uh, How did you find your way to BYU originally, all the way from Italy? Yeah, I started, you know, I started playing volleyball pretty late in my life. I think it was like 16, which usually people start a little earlier than that. So, and What do you mean playing volleyball? Like on a, a team? On an actual that... team, like a club in Italy. Because before I played soccer. Yes. In Italy, there's no high school teams or college teams. So you just, you want to play. There's like All professional club. clubs that have like teams for younger guys that can gotcha. play there. Like European so, soccer style. Exactly. Style volleyball exactly like that. No okay. college, which is actually unfortunate. But yeah, and I played one year in my hometown, Ravenna. I played there. And after this, that year, over the summer... I got recruited to play with the national team, which at that time was under 16, I think. So I was about 15, 16, 16 years old. And we went playing in Netherlands at a great tournament there. Uh, I think I got like best hitter of the tournament or something. And I got contacted by UCLA. That was the first uh, mm, college. The Bruins were yes, first. <laughs> the Bruins were the first one to talk to me. And uh, they got a hold of my dad's number. So they called him, they ended up calling me, had a couple emails exchange, and it was nice, but after I was like, okay, I think I want to go to the USA. I don't know what happened, but uh, from that moment, I started getting more and more requests and like uh, emails from other colleges. Loyola was in there, and BYU was one of them. And I've heard so many good things and so many professional athletes that are playing in Italy, in volleyball, in the, in the professional league. And I just was, okay, that's probably the place to go. So decided that if I, I wanted to go on an official visit and I was between UCLA and BYU and I'm like, man, if I go to UCLA and an official visit, I could pick just one. I had time just for one because I was in season. I'm like, if I go on the official visit to UCLA, I'm going to commit to UCLA because I know I'm going to love that place, California, all the things that we dream of in Italy of American college. So I'm like, you know what, I'm going to check out BYU and see how that place is. Which is not the thing you dream of in an American college per Absolutely se. Absolutely not. <laughs> Absolutely not. I mean, not being a member and a lot of different things coming sure. from Italy was not what I dreamt of. But I came here, I'm like, you know what, this place is nice. It's what I need. It's uh, ac- academic is really good. Volleyball program, like if you're here, you're going to be focused on volleyball and school, which are my two main priorities. And uh so I decided this was the place to be and said bye to UCLA and came to BYU. Thank goodness. Because <laughs> uh, when, when Carl McGowan, the legendary BYU men's volleyball yeah. coach, he hated UCLA. And Al Skates, their coach, they had this epic rivalry. In fact, it still when, goes on today. It still goes on. <laughs> yeah, yes. we'll talk about it. <laughs> when UCLA would come to town, Carl would say, oh, the Smithfield house is being used for something. Intramural, sorry for serving pass the night before. Not available. They'd go to the Richards building to have to serve and pass. That's, like, ridiculous, right? Yes. Like, this wouldn't fly nowadays. Same thing would happen when BYU went down there. So when Carl died at his funeral, his son Chris, who was a coach here yeah. as well, before Sean, 
He said, my dad taught me a lot of things, and one of them was that it was okay to hate you so much. <laughs> and I, I swear I said amen out loud. Absolutely. <laughs> amen! We love it. Like, we love to hate UCLA, yes. and they love to hate us, and it's this really fun rivalry yeah. that still exists. Especially men's volleyball, for sure, yeah. Yes. What, where do you see it uh, manifest itself still in a rivalry with UCLA? I, is it at the net? Is there some chatter? Like, what is it? I think in the preparation of the game, like, when, when we get to the warm-up, there is always, and they're warming up on one side of the court and one on the other side. You look at the guys and the coaches, and you can feel that there is something in the air every <laughs> time, every time. When they come in the field house, they're, I know UCLA is scared to come and play in the field house. They've always been. Either they have a better team or not, it doesn't matter. It's hard to play in the field house. So you can tell, but also you can tell that, I don't know, I have this feeling they just don't like the place. They don't like most things about BYU. They're like a bunch of like Californian kids that uh, probably don't understand much about this place. And I get it, but it's it's fun. And then when we start playing, start chipping under the net and like talking and the guys like say things, you know, sometimes against the church, sometimes just against you and stuff. And You're I'm like, like, I'm not even a member. Yeah, that's <laughs> a, every time they're saying stuff, I'm like, dude, I don't think he touches me that much. But You're like, I don't know about Joseph Smith. Like, I'm yeah, <laughs> I had to learn actually. But <laughs> but no, but we it's it's always a weird feeling in the air. Like, is there is something that you can some tell tension. It's a, to some tension exactly? Yeah. But it makes it more fun. It makes it more competitive. You always want to win against UCLA. Even yes. If, even if you feel like you have no shot. My freshman year, we felt like we went to UCLA. We didn't have a team to beat them, but there was just something. And you, you, we just played so much better than we'd been playing. We ended up losing, but, like, you get something going. You play better, more energy, more adrenaline. So I think it adds something to the game, for sure. It's always epic to play UCLA. Like, when I look at the schedule for the year, I look for win UCLA. Yes. Like, that's the first thing I'm circling, um, and it's always fun to play them. Yep. Okay, so um, last year, in the first match of the year, Will Stanley had sprained his ankle prior to the first match, and you guys lose that first one. I was like, oh, my God. That was their first win in, like, 10 years in the field. I remember that. It's tough. Yes. To your point. To your yep. point. Yeah, and, and it typically, like, the MPSF goes through one of the two of you. Yeah. And that's part of it, too. It's not like it's two crappy teams playing each other. It's two no. awesome teams yep. playing each other, which is pretty special. Okay, let's rewind to your beginnings. Um, you're Italian. Your parents, before you're born, tell us about your parents, Andrea and Novella, yeah. who are just stud athletes. And then uh, we'll talk about sort of how that weighed into your upbringing and your okay. athletic career and whatnot. Absolutely. Yeah, my dad uh, was a pretty good volleyball player. <laughs> he he played for Ravenna, which is my hometown. He, he started there, and then he made his way to the top league and played uh, the national team for a lot of years. Olympic gold medalist, which in the U.S., people care more about the Olympics than world championship, which I yes. never understood. Because, yes. like, he won three world championships, but people are like, well, yeah, 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 but what about the Olympics? I'm like, yeah, he never won one. He got, like, gold, uh, silver medal. Silver and bronze, and bronze medal. In there, Yes. Yeah. But I understand that. So I've, I've what, grown yeah, up. Yeah, why don't we? Yeah, why don't we? Are they, I, don't, I don't think they're televised. I, Maybe that's probably, one. yeah. Probably the Olympics, Olympics are, NBC has made a big deal. Yes. Maybe that's it. The World Championship. Volleyball is not, men's volleyball is not that followed. So probably the Olympics, it, they get so much like, you know, like it's televised and everything. And yes. people get to see it more. Whereas the World Championship, you just actually want to have to see like volleyball, men's volleyball. And a lot of people probably don't do that. You'd have to go out of your way yes, to find it. So yeah. I understand that. But yeah, I was raised with a lot of volleyball around me. I went to watch a lot of his volleyball games. I don't even exactly he remember. He was still playing when you were little. I, he was, yeah. I was 
thinking about it, I don't remember what, how old I was when he stopped playing, but I would guess it was probably like six or seven, which sucks in a way because I don't have clear memories of seeing him play. Uh, but I think it actually like helped a little bit to see volleyball since I was a kid and like be around the volleyball like world and that you were comfortable. Right? Yes, absolutely. And then he he went into coaching, so I had more chances to like still still go to games and like see him like as a coach, not as a as a player anymore. But yeah, that's kind of my dad's side. Whereas my mom, same thing. She played for the national team. That's where they met actually. And training which, in the same facility or anything um, like that? I don't think Italy they never men's and women's volleyball, they never train the same facility. Gotcha. I don't know why. I could have a couple guesses, but <laughs> yeah. they don't want to do that. So I don't know how exactly how they met. You probably know of each other when you're playing the two national teams. So they knew of each other, and they got to meet each other and fell in love, I guess. <laughs> and she was pretty good. She was playing the first league as well. But then when she was, she got pregnant with my six with my sister. She decided to um, stop playing volleyball and become a mother full time. So my dad kept playing, and she raised my sister, and then later on me. So that's actually a big part of her, like. And she's a big part of us. She, I've always been around my mom because my dad was either playing or he, when he was coaching, was not always home, but my mom was always there. So it was a, it's a special bonding that we have, me and my sister with our mom, for sure. What's your sister's name? Serena. Serena. And yes. how much older than She's five years older than me. So Five years older? Yes. So she a role model in your life growing up <laughs> as an older sister? Uh, we, or no? We butt heads a lot when we were kids. We... <laughs> yeah. She she's a girl, older girl. She didn't really love to have me around. She would kind of get mad when I was, I would try to spend a lot of time with her and like play with her. But she was great to me. We loved each other and we we grew up together. So I learned a lot of things from her. And then later on, I think she she kept up, picked up a couple of things from me as well. So uh, yeah, a, a really good connection with my sister for sure. My kids are the same way. I have a daughter and a son, five years difference. Yeah, and. She's the my daughter still likes playing with my son, uh-huh. but that will quickly go away. Yes. She's eight and he's three. It's I like, can it's feel for end. him. I feel for him. <laughs> I know exactly how it feels because you're a kid you just want to play. Yes, but like especially when they get to the teenage years, There's they want to no do shot. their own things, right? And yes. you don't. It's not that you don't matter, but like they have other interests, and so yep. you become like second yep. <laughs> in nope. priorities. But I get it's it. fine. Okay, so something cool that you do to honor your parents and remember them is you have a necklace. Oh, yeah. Tell us about the necklace. Yeah, so... You're wearing uh, it right now. Yeah, I always wear it uh, all day. It's always on me, and uh, it has an A and an N on it and the number 13. So A is my dad's initial, is uh, Andrea. My mom's name is Novella, so the N. And my dad used to play in the national team with number one. She used to play in the national team with number 13. So, so with number three, sorry. So 13 is kind of like combining the two numbers and my sister actually well, while she was playing volleyball she played with number 13 because she she loved to put mm-hmm. them together like created that number and so she she liked it I picked number one for different reasons but uh, it's still kind of like part of me like I see my family together in that number that's super cool yeah. and you wear it all the time which is yes, awesome sir why'd you pick one actually an interesting story I was uh <clears throat> I think it was my first year actually uh, I had one year where I played soccer and volleyball together um, it's not very common in Italy to play two sports. So I did that. You just sh- stick to one. Yeah. At, yes. At what age yes. do you sort of yeah. have to pick you, one? You switch, you, you try different sports, but like you go with one and then maybe a year later you're like, okay, I want to switch and try another one, but you don't try two at the same time. Some people do, uh, but it's not as common as people do in the U S right. So that year I went in, I was playing soccer and volleyball 
that didn't like volleyball that much, so I went back to just soccer for one year and I ended up switching all the way to volleyball. But in that year, while I was trying both, I had to pick a number for like, I don't know, I was like 14. I had to pick a number for my team. And I was like, Dad, I was talking to him in the car coming back from practice. I'm like, should I pick one? Should I pick three? Should I pick 13? And he's like, I don't want to tell you anything. And I'm like, okay. He's always like that. He doesn't want to like tell me too much. Like he wants me to figure things out my own way. So I'm like, okay, but why did you pick one? And he said, well, I wanted to be number one in the world. I'm like, wow. I think I think I want number one too now. <laughs> and it's kind of a reminder, you know, like yeah. you want to yeah. be the best version of yourself and possibly the best volleyball player in the world. It's hard, like now volleyball is very competitive. Internationally, there's a lot of good players, but uh, I like the number and it's also a reminder of myself to work a little harder to get to that to that point in my life. That's awesome. Yeah. And goals goals are awesome. And yeah. uh, obviously the legacy, you, you chose for a different reason. Yeah, the same number yes. as your dad, which is pretty cool. Yeah, which so. when I play with the national team, a lot of people said things or like I think it's a it's it's it's, it's funny. I like it. It's a, did you get number one with the national team? Yeah, I actually got number one. Did you have is, to take it from? Did someone already no, have it? No, that's I, nice. I was lucky. Yeah. Gardenian one is probably something that a lot of people are like, "Hey, that's pretty cool." <laughs> right? <laughs> exactly. Right? When I played over the summer at the VNL, there was a couple of people that like tagged me on Instagram and stuff, and they're like, "Oh, that's a throwback seeing Gardini with number one." I'm like, "Yeah." I like it. I like that. And it's never been a big pressure on me to wear my dad's number or my dad's name. So I just see the positives of it and the good things. Yeah. At what point did you uh, love volleyball? And then did you ever hate volleyball? Hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I started loving volleyball. I, it's not one of those things, you know, some players say, hey, I played, I grabbed a volleyball and I fell in love with it since the first one. Nah, never happened to me. I, I, I always like to like play around, even when I was playing soccer, I have a volleyball in my hands. But even the first year or two years, I didn't love it that much. I was like, hey, it's a sport, I want to play a sport, and this one I'm having fun at it, but it's not like I'm in love with it. How old were and you at this point? I think I was like 16, seven, 16 17 probably. probably so 16, when you yeah. started playing for a club? Yes, like yeah, 16, okay. I would say. And then the year after, I ended up going to Club Italia. Uh, when I was 16, actually, so probably 15, six, the, when I was 16 years old, I went to Club Italia, which was the f- second year playing professionally kind of thing. And that year was when I, I started playing volleyball way more. When you're there, like, this Club Italia is a place where they get all the young guys from Italy. They're, like, somewhat with potential, and they see some talent in them. They put them together, a bunch of, like, young kids that have no idea what's going on and they just get you to go to school and play volleyball so you would play volleyball so much and that year like i started seeing a lot of improvements and i you know when you improve in something and you get better you fell you fall in love with it and that's, we like what we're good at yes exactly and i i loved how fast i could pick up on things mm. at that time it would still be a struggle i was a very tall guy for my age so it's not easy to move around when you're a kid but i i would get better and that's why that's why i loved it were you a middle blocker growing up because you were I, tall? Yeah, I started my very first year. I started as a middle blocker, uh, but quickly realized that it wasn't the thing for me. And Why? I, in today's volleyball, I don't think it's as fun. It, it, I mean, not to get anything, take anything away from middle blockers, but it's, uh, I mean, you're an outside. You get to, like, touch basically every single ball during the rally. Most of the time, not as much as a setter, but you're always involved in a way. Mm-hmm. A middle blocker, you are involved, but in, like, other ways you're just kind of playing in the shadow not everybody sees it it's a lot of hard work for not a lot of reward you get out for like three points every other three points and i'm like i want to do that i want to play as much as possible i want to be on the court all the time so 
that's kind of why I switched to outside hitter. Is there a personality type associated with certain positions? Does that exist? I think it does. We, we talked about it with the guys on one of the road trips and being like, okay, basketball players, who could we see? It? Like, if they were bubble players, what position would they be? And mm. so, like, like LeBron. Yes, LeBron. Like, some of the guys would be LeBron would be a middle for like his physique, but like mentality wise, he couldn't outside. be a middle. It would probably be an outside. Yeah. Kyrie and the guys were like, oh, Kyrie would have to be a setter and stuff like mm-hmm. that. So, you, you, you see some of those things, but they're not always true. But you can see some, like, knowing more bubble players, you can definitely see some personalities working better for some specific positions. Yeah. Tell me about opposite, because opposite's a super unique position, right? Yes. Like, you have this out, outside hitter mentality offensively. Yeah. But defensively, not as much, right? You're hidden yeah. in serve-receive. Sometimes you, you don't play great defense. Like, yeah. opposite's kind of unique. Opposite is... In Italy, I said that to Gabi once, actually, last year. <laughs> I, we have this thing that sounds better in Italian than it does in, in English. It says opposites are ignorant. But not ignorant as in not knowing, not having knowledge. It's just of like being, hey, I don't care. I'm just going to hit the ball. That's what you got to do as an oppo. Like you're going to get all the worst sets. You're just going to have to put them away somehow. And that's the only thing you've got to be worried about. Hitting the ball hard and getting points. Serving and that. You got to play some defense, of course, but it's not your main role. So I told that to one day to Gabi. Which I realized right after it didn't come out the right way in English. I was like, wait, wait, no, let me explain. In Italy, we made this. I was like, oh, okay. And you're okay, both okay. speaking a second language yes. to each other. So yeah. I, I saw his face right away. I was like, what? I'm like, no, dude, like, I'll tell you later. I'll explain to you what it means. <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, opposite. It's very, very weird position. But you got to be tough mentally because it's not easy to just be the guy that got to kill every single ball. So you got to own up to it. Yep. And you're a specialist in a way. Uh, yeah, it, like outside hitter, it's like, hey, you have to be able to do everything at a good level at least. Yes, um, and then and then sometimes there's guys like John Stanley where it's like, incredible server. Yeah, good hitter, incredible defense. It's like, yeah. how do we get him on the court? There's only exactly. so many spots. You know exactly. what I mean? I know. I know exactly how you feel. Yep. So if you're mixed, you're like, you better be passing, bro. <laughs> you, you, <laughs> you better need, be hitting. You need multiple passing. things. John's right? right there. Yes, no, I a, know. It's, it's more good. competitive sometimes. Yes. And, and John's serve is so fun. We'll yeah. dive more into the team in a second. But okay, so you're playing on uh, Club Italy. Yeah. And you were a middle blocker. You moved to outside hitter. And then you go to this national team camp. And then you're getting some interest. And then do, do you graduate high school? And then you're like, okay, I want to play in the States. And now I have to pick between BYU and UCLA. Yeah. Is that how it happened? Pretty, pretty much. Basically, happened. Like yeah, that. I... I had, after I got my first contact with UCLA, I had about a year and a half of like talking to different colleges and stuff to figure out what to do and where to go because I still had to finish high school. So throughout my last year and a half of high school, that's when I started like talking to colleges, figure out all the NCAA rules, all the applications and do all the things. And then about halfway through that year and a half is when I decided to come to BYU. So I spent the last part, the last part of my uh, senior year, year of high school, uh, figuring out everything I had to do to come to BYU, which a lot of guys just uh, delegate someone else. Or like There's like um, companies in Italy that help you out with the process. They do the, all the paperwork. But I was like, you know what? I might as well do it myself. I, I found something interesting in the fact of doing it. I'm like, if I do it, I know what I'm doing. It. I, I learned something. It was kind of a way for me to grow a little bit and like 
do my own first big thing. You know, when you're in high school, you don't really have much, many responsibilities or anything. So that was my first big thing. It's like, okay, I got to get all these things done. How am I going to figure out, like, call the embassy, the U.S. embassy, and, like, call BYU, figure out this, NCAA. And so that's kind of how I did in my last part of my senior year. That's a lot of work. Yes. And in a second language. Yeah. So how was your English growing up? Um, and then I can't remember how you spoke English four years ago. I remember it was good, but it's got to be vastly improved because yeah. you've been living here, right? Yeah, for sure. I, we study English. Uh, it's mandatory in Italy since elementary school. So you do elementary school, middle school, mm. and um, uh, high school. You actually get to pick another language as well between French and Spanish when you're in middle school. Which I learned Spanish for a little bit. wasn't I, It was good, but then I lost it completely. Yeah. Uh, but I, I always say to everybody that asks me is, uh, you can go through the entire like uh, years of school all the way to the to the end of high school, taking English classes and not learning any English. And that's I was that kid. I was that kid that would try to not do any of the work. I didn't really care about learning English, and I would just I was bad at it. The first couple of emails I was sending to UCLA or BYU, I, I needed people like my classmates to double-check grammar, the ones that were better at English. It was rough. The phone calls were pretty bad. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, but I, I when I decided, hey, I want to go to the U.S., then I started watching more YouTube videos in English, watching Netflix or whatever show or movie I could watch in English switch my phone setting to English, mm. uh, try to use it as much as possible. I would seek opportunities to talk or like text in English, which I, I fell in love with English, actually. I am, when I, it's actually a funny thing when girls say, you know, there's a lot of girls that like foreign accents and they don't really like, Americans don't really like American accent. I love American accent. I think it's so cool. So when I fell in love with it, I'm like, I want to talk like them. I want to like get that accent as much as I can. I still have a thick Italian accent. I can't do anything about it, but try try to improve it a little bit and yeah. get more on the American side. So I worked on it a lot for sure my last year. Can we hear your American accent? Nah. <laughs> <laughs> there, is, there is a couple of sentences. Some people told me that when I say them, I sound more American. I would don't even try to oh, get man. to say them. <laughs> no, I, no, no, I wanted to hear it. Nah. I love your name, dude. I We've jokingly said, hey, David Garden, you know, just because yeah. it's funny, but like your your name it, to me, and maybe it's because I learned Portuguese going on my mission mm-hmm. in Brazil. But it's just like it just flows. <laughs> you like your name? I like my like name. the way you like saying your name. Ah, that was a good beat. Yeah, I think it flows like, pretty well. And it feels. I don't. I guess I don't know whether this is very Italian or not. But it feels very Italian. It, 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 Ending it is. Ending in very an I. That's and, for sure. For sure, very Italian. Yeah. I think David is uh, a little more common. I don't think he's one of the most common names in Italy, but he's. And it's not David, right? No, it's not David. It's different. It's, <laughs> it's different. David. Completely different. Yes. Yeah. I say David to people here when I don't want to spend time. <laughs> like if you're at Taco Bell ordering, what's your yes, name? David. David. Always. Do you do that? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. In and yeah. out, everywhere I go. I say I'm my just, last name because yeah. they're going to mispronounce my last Oh, name. that's a good point. I Jer- Jerome. That's like, a, what? Who's that? Oh, that's me. I never thought about that. Yeah. You guys struggle with like, Some of you have like different names that you yes. uh, get around them. Yeah. But no, I like my name for sure. It's a little, as I said, a little more common. Then I would have liked it to in Italy, but man, I come here, nobody's ever heard my name, so no one's heard your name. it's a first for everybody, and I and I, I like it. More the more I stay here, the more I like things that are Italian about me, you know, because they make me a little different, a little more special, I guess. That's why I love staying here so much, because I, you know, you feel like different from everybody, and uh, I think there's a beauty in it. Whereas in Italy, I'm you're like another Italian kid, 
So, yeah. Yeah, I was going to ask you that exact question of living in the U.S., has that brought out the Italian in you even more? Yeah, I would say so. It, it was kind of weird for me. My freshman year, I, I definitely was trying to, uh, I don't know, keep connections with my Italian part, like the Italian that was in me. Uh, and so I would do like things that I would used to do in Italy and I would just like hold on to those things. I, I, I don't know. Like, I, like I can, what? I, it's, it's hard to give you examples, but like the way I would eat, like, you know, in the, the way you would eat. Yes. So what do you mean? like how you schedule your day around eating, for example, also what you eat. But like the other one is better to give an example of, you know, in the U.S. college, you don't really have a lot of time. So yeah. college students, you get breakfast whenever you can. And then lunch, if you have practice at 12, Sometimes you get it at 11, sometimes you finish practice at 2 or 3, and you get lunch at 3.30. My freshman year, I was like, no, my lunch got to be around 12. So if I had practice at 12, I would go there at 11.30 and try to get it done. And then after, like, 7.38, I got to eat dinner. And I lived that way in a lot of multi, in a lot of different things my freshman year. But the more I stayed here, the more I realized, hey, that's an opportunity for me to change and actually learn different things and try try new things. And so I got more and more used to the American like way of living and to the point where I actually too much right now. <laughs> but right now, I, sometimes I eat like, I don't know, I eat lunch at like two or something and then I eat dinner, maybe either at like 11 or a midnight because I eat, a, I, eat a, yes, I eat a snack, but then you got to do some homework. You have this something, you got to get groceries. You got, life is not that like scheduled when you're a mm -hmm. college student. So I had to I had to adapt a little bit to it. But after that, I would say it's kind of funny. I I went away from my Italian side a little bit. I I loved so much how life is here and how I can live here that I don't I don't know. I struggle with some things that I would I would do in Italy and that I was used to do in Italy and so uh I don't know. Yeah, I changed a lot and I got into the American culture. I I got Americanized, I guess is that how mm -hmm. you say it? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and I love it. I just, there's a lot of things. There's good things about Italy for sure. But I definitely lost some of my Italian side coming here. And I'm not upset about it. It's still there. So if I go back to Italy, Italy I'll be, I'll, I'll get it back right away. But I just like the, the way life is here. So, In Brazil, lunch is the big meal. Yeah. And it's just like a light dinner or whatever. We, as a missionary, we wouldn't even eat dinner. Okay. I would just eat when I got home at 9 or 9.30. It was super different. Yeah. I was like, what? Dinner's yeah. the main meal in the United yeah. States, right? Lunch is like a Lunch salad. Lunch in the States or, is just whatever you yeah, can get. Yeah, just whatever you can find. A yeah. sandwich or a yes. salad, right? Be breakfast varies. Some yeah. people have big breakfast. Some people don't, right? What is it in Italy? Well, in Italy, it's, breakfast is not that good. Uh, it's usually <laughs> you just get like a coffee or a cappuccino at a bar. Mm -hmm. And then you put a, what do you call it, a croissant mm -hmm. with it. Because yep. we have so many, like, pastries in Italy. Like, yes. all the bakeries we have is insane. Way so, more bakeries. Yes. Yeah. And it, it's really good. But for breakfast, it's really, if you're an athlete, that's not the way to go. <laughs> but that's usually how people do it anyway. Yeah. Um, and then lunch is a big meal, for sure. And you try to have it with your family. Even people, break lunch in Italy. Come home from work. Yes. Break lunch in Italy is not 30 minutes. You, people usually get, like, up to an hour, an hour and 30 minutes where you go to get to go home, mm. eat with your family, and then you go back to work. So lunch until is a big when? thing. Uh, until like five, six. Uh, you mean like until they yeah. uh, so work? Yeah, so kind of a normalish American schedule, except a longer lunch. Yeah, 
Yeah, exactly. I would say so. Yeah. The lunch is about like, I think the lunch break is from 12 to 1, maybe some places 12 to 2. Sometimes some places have like two hours lunch break. Wow. And then you get back to work until like 5, 6, 7, depends on where you work. Sure. And then dinner is again with your family always. And dinner is not supposed to be like just a easy meal. You eat at dinner, but probably not as much as at lunch for sure. Hmm. Yeah, it was always fascinating because we'd eat with the members of the church and it was lunch only. Yeah. But lunch was a big deal. So we're like, okay, we go hard from 9.30 to about 11.30. Yes. And then get in the area. You know, it was, it was different and it was yeah. fun. I liked it a lot. Um, do you have a middle name? I do not have a middle name. No middle name. No. Is that a normal thing in Italy or do people have middle names? Uh, some people do. It's not as common as in the U.S. though. Yeah. Uh, there's plenty of people, but yeah. a lot of us don't. My it's wife doesn't have a middle name. Either. Yeah. I oh, have okay. a middle name. Do you? What and then it? it's Tate. Tate? And then that's my son's name. Okay. Oh, we spelled it different. Okay, 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 okay. Yeah. I like that. I, like I did that. Tate, Michael, Jordan. Okay. Michael Jordan. Yes. I had to, I had to do <laughs> I figured, it, right? I figured, yes. I had to do it. Okay, so once you pick BYU and you come here, what kind of experience do you have initially? Because it's one thing to live in a foreign country suddenly. Mm-hmm. It's another to have to speak that language. I can't imagine going to school in another language. Yeah. Being interviewed in another language yeah. in front of media. Like Absolutely. you are right now, right? Yeah. Um, talking to my teammates on the court in another language. And, oh, by the way, you're staring at a Brazilian, a Finn, a Puerto mm-hmm. Rican. Exactly. Uh, you know what I mean? Yes. Like, and we'll get into kind of 2020 team and 21, which is a really special group. But like, what, And you're not a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Yep. What's that experience like for you? Tough. <laughs> One word was tough. I can describe it like that. It, coming from Italy, I was like, okay. It's a new experience. It's going to be so fun. Everything is going to be new. <laughs> Man, I wasn't ready for what was coming my way. It was way harder than I was expecting it. And not hard as in, like, you have big challenges, but, like, all the minor things you got to adapt and get used to. Wow, there was, uh, yeah, it, it, was, it was a lot of work. Uh, as, I, as I told you, getting used to the new schedule, new, the new culture, not being a member. Language, language was, in all of this, language and the language barrier was probably the easiest thing for me it wasn't, oh, that's it good. wasn't that tough like going to class i would understand the professors with everybody would be like oh do you un- are you good with the professors do you understand did you go talk to them i'm like man i understand everything they're saying i don't have an issue with that oh that's awesome yeah so and uh, on top of that having some other foreigners guys like lipe and gabby lipe is a guy that i i got very close to my freshman year now would i it's actually funny because i would I had so many questions and so many things I didn't know how to do them and what was the best thing to do in that situation. And I would go up to Lipe like if he was that kind of, I don't know, God that knew everything, that had all the answers. And literally half the times, if not more, he would just be like, dude, I have no idea. <laughs> I'm like, dude, you've been here for a year. And he's like, oh, yeah, it's not that much better. I still struggle with things. And I, and I found out that later, too, because my second year... It wasn't like I have everything figured out. I still was struggling. There were some new guys that were asking me things. I'm like, oh, I know what Lipe is feeling like because I'm supposed to have an answer, I guess, mm-hmm. but I don't. So it, it, took, it took time. But I, the good thing about this place is that all those uh, challenges and all those little issues and difficulties I had were good in a way. They weren't like, oh, I'm not a member, so people are like discriminating me or they're like, doing something, I don't know, bad towards me. It was just like, hey, I'm not a member, so I'm different, but they're so nice to me. They're trying to, like, teach me things in a way. So I just had to adapt, but it was a little bit easier because all these things were, like, for for good, and it wasn't it wasn't that bad after all. It was tough, but not, not too bad. Did you ever cry 
Were you ever homesick? No, I don't think so. Good for you. I cried yeah. pretty hard on my mission initially. <laughs> Did you? Super hard. Yeah. Yeah, it was I extremely difficult. Yeah. yeah. You know, the first time I the first time I cried was in the US was twenty twenty when our season got cut short. That was the first time. So I went through a full year, two years almost without ever I felt homesick for sure, but never to the point where I felt like crying. Yeah. Because I liked it here. Yeah. Okay, so uh, you get through your freshman year. Oh, and I wanted to ask you. What's yeah? What's the experience like for a member, who's a person who's not a member of the church, mm-hmm. as an athlete, at BYU? Because you said sometimes people will trash talk, oh, yeah. church stuff, but it's like the men's volleyball team might be the the least percentage of members of the yes. team. Maybe like women's tennis, um, you know, or, or women's golf. I'm not sure. Yeah. But like, that's interesting because you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa I'm not even yep. a member here. But you, whether you like it or not, you represent the school and the church, yeah. which is an interesting dynamic. Absolutely. That's why when we go play somewhere, there's always people, and nobody knows who we are. Like, they, <laughs> they know my name. They might have known that I was an All-American, all those things. But they don't take the time to research if you're a member of the church or not. So, They're assuming you are. Yes, everybody assumes that you are, yeah. which it doesn't bother me at all, absolutely, because I'm not, like, the church, the LDS church is such, like, People are so nice. I told you that. So I'm not. I don't have a problem being related to that. Yeah. Uh, and now we have a temple in Rome. Yeah, which is it's super cool. One, absolutely. Have you been to it? Or are you gonna go no, check I it out? I haven't been, but I want to yeah. go check it go out check for it sure. Out. Yeah. yeah. But in general, uh, yeah, people trash talk, and you just like you take it because honestly, if you're tra- if they're trash talking you, saying things about the church, you just stay quiet, and they're thinking that they're getting to you, but at the end of the day, they're not. So at least they don't go into like family or other things that could touch a little more better that than being yeah too personal. so honestly for for me that i'm not a member for yes. sure for, a member, for some of maybe the members bugs. yes yeah, for yeah, some yeah. of the members but yeah. i think everybody takes it the right way they're all like even when they say stuff they got even the lds guys i see them laughing at them they're like there's a bunch of drunk kids come to a bottle game at usc or are they gonna like they're gonna stand for who's day. notoriously yes terrible. stand for my freshman year was was fun. Was there? I heard there was a dude who kept, I, he, like, was he flashing you guys or something? I don't remember. Oh, there was a guy that came in without a shirt. Like yes. he had like a big dress on, and then literally two minutes into the game, he took it off, and it was like absolutely wasted and screaming. I don't even remember what. <laughs> I just know that at some point I was serving, and the student section was on my right side, and I I noticed some movement, and I couldn't figure out what was As going on. Yes, I, 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 like, I would get in my routine, I would see a lot of hands moving, and i toss the ball, see it like, in the corner of my eye, get a kill, whatever. And then later on, the guys told me, and I looked at on video, everybody was doing the Italian sign, apparently. He got the whole like, student section to do this sign right here, and I was like, all right, that, I, that doesn't affect me. Honestly, it's just funny, but I like how in the U.S. people, student sections get there, they get a little heated, and they just do different things. I, I think it's part of the game, it's fun. Are people ever accidentally offensive with Italian stuff? Uh, yeah, yeah. I've or, had, or maybe it's on purpose. I don't know their intent. Yeah. But people want to sort of participate with you. Yeah, you mean it's like, like in a, those... A sign or even at home. Oh, yeah. Because I've seen certain signs where I'm like, I don't think we should show... Yeah. Like one said, Davide Linguini. Okay, And yeah. I thought... I don't know about that one. Yeah, I, I think I, I think that I must know. have been that might have been uh, Will's girlfriend, Crash. That I that I was roommate with Will, so I I got she to know her knows very well. you. Yeah, I know her very well, and she called me Linguini all the time. 
So it's an inside joke. That, that's you an know inside joke. So in that okay. case, yeah. At yeah, BYU, yeah. I've never had an issue with anything. I don't look around that much during games, yeah. so I don't see all of them. But I've never had an issue. And I've always what, wondered that. Yeah. As, like, we need to be careful not to yeah. cross a line, right? Yeah. I don't, I don't, I'm not that touched on these things. Yeah. Uh, and that's also why when we go on the road, I don't have issues with, like, student section guys or other things. I actually, the only times that it gets to me is when it's somebody on, a player on the other side of the, of the net. And I've had actually a couple of times, last time was when we had a biggest scrimmage against Pepperdine uh, during the fall semester. And one of the guys was very disrespectful. He said something about Italy in a way, like making fun, you know, like typical stereotype. But that's not it. Like if we're playing, you can like say things, you can trash talk, but there is a limit. And that's still like part of me. That's my heritage. That's my mm -hmm. country. Yeah. You, don't, you don't do that. I understand you want to get to me, but you don't do it that way. So I actually like, ended up trash talking him and his coach got mad at me and then I went up to his coach and I'm like don't don't even like he's he's your player you gotta take care of him don't Dave, come up David talk to me. yeah David Hunt who's like a cool rational awesome dude yes he yes. gets very fired up during games but yeah. he's rational so when I talked to him he tried to explain to me a couple of things but I said hey you gotta take care of your kid first and then you can come up and talk to me because he's, he's the one that started it. I ne I'm never the one that starts trash talking I, that's not part of me yeah so yeah sometimes it's gotten to that point and I just want to make sure in that situation that people understand that it's not okay. So I try to do it playing better and, like, trash-talking them back, I guess. But, yeah, that's it. Yeah. Okay, so uh, you get to BYU. Your, fre your freshman year is really interesting because this is, this is a group that we didn't realize it yet. You guys were going to be at an all-time group, but you were just young. Yeah. You were the baby Cougs. 13 and 12, like, finished ranked 12th or 13th, and it's like, this is one of the worst BYU seasons yes. ever. Because the standard's so high, yeah. right? And most teams would have taken that season. Um, Hawaii comes to town. Their set streak continues. Yeah. We're going into that match going, can BYU even win a set, not win the match? Win a set, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Oh, boy, do, do things change in the next year. Yeah. Um, 2020, you guys go in as, I think, number two going into the year. Hawaii's number one. They had just lost to Long Beach State. Long Beach State lost. Uh, NSYNC to Aninga. Yeah. And company. Now, now you've got to deliver. Now people are expecting you to be yeah. great. And oh my gosh, you were. Yeah. You're 16 and 0. Hawaii's undefeated. It's 2 and 1. I was trying my best to convince people BYU was number one in the media poll. Yeah. I feel like it worked. You guys <laughs> yes. were one in the media, one in the coaches. Yes. Um, and then you go and play at Hawaii, which we'll talk about in a second. But what happened from 2019 to 20, other than getting older? Yeah. to become this team that would be ranked no lower than number two the next two seasons? It's, uh, it was something, uh, looking back at my freshman season, there was so much frustration. We all got there and we're like, okay, we got Gabby, a uh, good player, played amazing the year before. We got Will, solid setter. So everybody was like, oh, it's going to be a young group. But we firmly believed we were not. Like, we were a young group, but we, we believed we were good. And then he started the season, he's not playing that well. And he, uh, so many issues and, like, things Will's are not going with way. Yes, Will with everything that he's had, his ankle that he sprained. So it, it, it didn't end up going this, like, ended up being the season that we wanted, for sure. But I've always said we would have never been able to go 17-1 and one the next season if we had not had that season. Because that season mm. for us, we, we worked hard. But we were a little cocky, so not as much. You know, we were just like, 
okay, we're going to condition. We're going to do conditioning today. We're going to work out. But we did it in a way where we're like, yeah, we'll be fine. Then we had a 13 and 12 season. And the year after, we're like, oh, nope, not again. And I had never seen a team so, like, bought into working hard to get something as we did in that fall semester of 2020, that, that season. Because we were coming off of that year, we were like, okay, we don't like this feeling of being 13 and 12 and losing. And on top of that, something that helped us, I think, is we didn't, like, as you said, like, people wanted us to deliver, but we didn't have that much pressure on us at the beginning of the season because we were still the same team. Even though you're ranked and 12. second? Yes, because you're still 13 and 12. So, like, like, you come off a season that is 13 and 12, and so you're like, yeah, people maybe expect us to deliver, but we're the same team. So there's a lot of people that are like, well, not much is going to change. But when we started playing and playing and get rolling, we're like, oh, this is going to be something special this season. And we made it special for sure. And yeah, just everything went with that. You're 16-0. and 0. We knew you were going to go to Hawaii and play the Rainbow Warriors. They're undefeated. You're undefeated. It was like the most epic regular season setup I've seen in the 14 yeah. years of doing this. Like, oh my gosh, I cannot wait for this. I wish I could have gone. I was in Las Vegas helping with the West Coast Conference yeah, tournament. Yeah. I should have been there. It would have been amazing. So it's a Thursday and a Friday, which is weird. Yeah. So At that you, time was. Now yeah. it's not anymore, but at that yeah. time it was, yeah. Is that what they do typically now? Oh, uh, well, now we got back-to-back games. At the time, we used to have, like, one game, then a rest day, and then another For game. For Hawaii. Yes. Gotcha. So when do you guys get to Hawaii that week? Oh, right? uh, like we got Monday, there early. Tuesday? We got there Tuesday. Yeah. You got there Tuesday. Yes. So you had an extra easy to get distracted, but you guys were dialed in. Yeah. So Thursday, I called it at the time, and I still feel this way. That's the greatest match ever played by BYU, given the circumstances. 1v2, undefeated, on the road. They were in the national title game, right? Yeah. Um, oh, my gosh, you guys hit 600 and win in three. Like, just dominate. And everybody's playing. What was that match like? It was yeah. unbelievable to watch. It was the best. I actually liked the second night better for some reasons, even though we lost. But that was the uh, probably the only game I've ever played in my life where I was like uh, completely like speechless, out of words for like how well everybody was playing and how everybody was locked in. You know, like when you're playing, like some someone makes a mistake, you can see them going away a little bit, like they start getting in their heads a little bit, and then maybe mm-hmm. they come back right after. But you see those moments or some things. I don't think there's been one moment in that game where I was like, oh, that, that was not good. Even we lost points, we made mistakes. I, the feeling that was on the court is that like, everybody was so united. Everybody was so convinced and like, so sure that we were going to completely destroy them. It was the most amazing thing ever. And for me, the thing that I always remember was Zach Eschenberg. Because that game, mm. Gabby had, what is it, a thousand aces-ish? Uh, <laughs> I, I hit 700. Will got the final mm. point. Uh, Mickey played amazing, a lot of blocks. Brandon Oberender, uh, yeah, had a, had a nice match the next night. Yeah. yeah. But, oh my gosh. But yeah. Zach Eschenberg, that night, he hit like, I think, 500. 500. 10 kills. He got the most kills, I think. Uh, out of us, yep. uh, even if he didn't, the way he played, felt like it, yeah. Yeah, he was just there, and that when I saw Zach play like that, I was, I think it was the best thing for me in that game. I'm like, seeing him that happy and playing that loose, it was just amazing for me. Do you remember your numbers that night? Absolutely not. Ten kills, hit seven fifty, and an ace. Wow. Gabby had eight aces. Eight aces. And hit six eighty eight. 
Just, just that was insane. a night. <laughs> so you guys hit six oh three as a team, which yeah. is I think second all time in the rally era. It's just and, against and the number one team. Against in the, country. the number one team on the road. Yeah. It's not like you're playing uh, you know, uh Lincoln Memorial at home yeah, or yeah, something yeah. who's actually a good independent team. But you know? I'm telling you, because we were focused. Amazing. We, we were locked in. That's like we went there and we're like, okay, we're in Hawaii, we're gonna have fun, let's get the beach and everything. But everybody was locked in for that game. Did you guys feel disrespected that you weren't number one? Were you using that? Uh, no, I don't think so. We, the good thing about our team, that group, is that for different reasons, nobody really cared about the rankings. It's like, we can be number 10, we can be number one. We know how good we play, so it doesn't matter. We're going to, like, crap on everybody when we go play them. So it ended up being pretty, pretty good, like, chemistry and everything fell together that year. Okay, the next night... You guys are up 2-0. And then I want to say, yeah, they, they win the third set, 25-22. Then they win 25-23. And then in the fifth, it goes to 19-17, and they yeah. win. And this is in front of 10,300. The first night was like about 7,000. Yeah. Great crowd still. And then 10,300. It is packed. It is. They don't have a professional team. Mm -hmm. This is the biggest thing going on in the island Yeah. in sports. And it was a crazy game. And you said you liked that game more than the night before. Why is that? Even though you lost. Because, first of all, as you said, 10,300 people. I don't know if anybody will, that plays volleyball will ever get a chance to play in front of 10,300 people unless you get to the final of the Olympics, probably. And with COVID now, not really. <laughs> but it's, uh, it was insane. The, the, the environment was insane. And the fact we're coming off of beating them like that, you could tell that they were not that confident anymore. So we just... Put a lot of pressure on them right away. We went up to, and then we started, like, they started playing better. We started struggling a couple of things. And I loved how that matched. The first night, crazy. Like, we killed them. Awesome. We just, they didn't even play volleyball because we played so well. The second night, we didn't play as well. We still played a really good game. But they played better, so they matched us, and that made it so much more competitive, more adrenaline, more, you know, like, when you get those passes on, like, I don't know, 22, 22, we're like, you get that feeling, oh, I got to get this right. Whereas the night before, we're just up all the time. Mm -hmm. So it was a different feeling. And, man, the tie break, going into the tie break with those, those, that many fans, it just was unbelievable. I got aced on the last point of that game, mm. and I still think that's the best game I've ever, like the most fun I've ever had in a game ever in my life because of everything that went into it. Even if we lost, I, I don't care. Then we showed something that weekend. We showed that we could yeah. go there and beat them, and it took 10,300 people for them to barely beat us in 5, 1917 in the tiebreak. So I'm like, whenever we go play a national championship, even field, that year, we're like, we got this. We, we have this. So, we'll get to 21 in a second. Yeah. So you guys become number one on the next Monday. Yeah. You're, you're headed to Stanford the next week. I believe it's Thursday. You guys... Actually, you check your bags, you get on the plane, you get a phone call, you get off the plane, you get your bags off the plane, and Friday the season is canceled. The NCAA calls all the spring sports. You said you cried. Yeah, I cried. What, what was that day like? Because I took a nap at home, I woke up, and suddenly it was over. And about, I was so disappointed. Yeah, we're talking about Friday, March 13th. talking about Friday. That, March 13th, I remember yes. that day forever. Friday the 13th. Yeah. Um, the funny thing is that when we got off the plane from like from going to Stanford and we got back, we went playing beach volleyball because we were all like still, hey, 
Yes, like uh, they'll something is happening, but I like, will be fine. Like right, not nothing bad is gonna happen. To be clear, this is twenty twenty. This is when yes. crap hits the fan. When COVID, yes. Yep. So we're like still pretty like hopeful. We're like not too worried about it. But then on Thursday things got a little worse, and then on Friday Sean's like, "Hey, we're having a meeting," and we actually saw the announcement before the meeting, so mm. we, we realized that was going on. But I did not feel too bad. Like I felt bad, but I did not cry. That I haven't, I hadn't cried yet. We got in the meeting, and Brian Santiago was there, Sean, all our coaching staff, and man, with the season we're having, like that's literally like a dream season. Everything that can be finished with the national championship, bringing back a national championship to be with you after that many years. It was literally a dream happening, and we were building it. It's not like it was just happening. We did it together. And it's like a family. We're all, I'm getting goosebumps right now, honestly. And when Sean started talking, I, I don't think there was one guy that did not cry that day. I, all the seniors, they didn't know they were going to get the COVID year back, so that made it even worse. Yep. I remember Will Link, Andrew Lincoln, he ended up not coming back, so for him that was a tough one, even though he wasn't a starter, but he was as invested in that team. He's as part we of the were. team. Yes. Yeah. So it was, I, I'm probably going to say that's the most, uh, I don't know, uh, how do you say, emotional moment I've ever had uh, for volleyball in my life. I won good games, I won trophies or uh, championships or things, and I lost very bad games or championships. But man, how that hurt like nothing else probably in my life so far because of how much work we had put in and just seeing all that going away for something that we couldn't, couldn't control. You know, you lose in the national championship, okay, you lost a game. You could, you could have done better, right? Sure. But there, like, it's nothing you can do about it. That's what killed us. It was so sad. And I, I'm always going to wonder what would have happened, right? Because it would have been Hawaii-BYU again. Yeah. And it would have been match three of the rubber match. Yeah. Okay, 2021, another incredible year. You're no lower than one or two. Mm-hmm. You meet up with Hawaii. We've waited two years now for this. This is in Columbus. Hawaii wins in three. That was hard. What do you remember from that day? And what did you take away from it? Because I know it was difficult for the team. I, it's just a lot of things for sure. I, I remember the feeling after the game of uh, everything ending with that group. That's the first thing. We lost the national championship. That's going to stink forever. We, we all hated that. It was, it was tough. But more than that, the fact that everything we had done with that group, everything we had built knowing that that wasn't going to end the way we wanted, that's what, like, killed me. And I cried that. That was the second time I cried in the U.S., for sure. I was in the locker room and yes, around, and yes. you took it very hard. Yes, it yeah. was tough for me as much as for all the other guys because yeah. we had built something, and you wanted that to finish the right way. Like, I'm never going to play. I was never going to play with Gabby again. Or maybe I will in the future, but, like, that was maybe. it for that group. Yes, but that for that group, that was it. And... I think the run we had was amazing, and yeah, it was tough. But I, I think I took, I got something from that, like kind of a lesson, which was that year we didn't play as well. We were number two slash one team in the country. There was something that we were missing, and I think we did a really good job of a lot of things. But I'm not saying we went back to what we did my freshman year to not work hard, but coming off of a 17 and one season, we might not have pushed. A hundred and one percent. I think we all gave our a hundred percent, but we thought it was enough, and apparently it wasn't. And that for me is a lesson to that 
even when you're playing well, even when you feel like you're at the top, doesn't matter if you're coming off a great season, you still got to push a little bit harder because there's always going to be somebody ready to just mess up your dream right there. And uh, at that point, it wasn't us because we probably could have done something better. And uh, that's that's what I learned from that. Hard lesson. Yeah, and I've, I've seen BYU lose four national championship games. It's, it's hard. It it's is. really hard. But the thing that I go back to is that the journey with those groups was so special. Yeah. 2013 is a Taylor Sander group. 16, 17, 18 is this amazing group with Brendan Sander, Leo Durkin, and Price Jarman and company that's like, hey, these guys did this, right? Yeah. 19, you guys are figuring it out. 20 and 21, super special groups, right? Yeah. You decided to come back for 22. You could have totally gone pro mm-hmm. and uh, been pretty comfortable in that decision and gone with the homies who also left, right? Yeah. Gabby and Felipe yep. and Zach and everybody. You chose to come back and be on this team. Now, this season, up to this point, we're recording this in late March, certainly hasn't been what you were hoping for. But you've said to us on the air, this is uh, this is something I needed. Yeah. What did you need? I, I needed to... Uh, I, I, I believe I needed I don't know if that's the answer actually, but I believe I needed a year where um, I am the one that's got to figure things out and got to help the guys around and I am the guy that guys look up to and they ask questions and uh, I got to be the example, right? And because the thing is with that group that we had the years before, we were all on the same level. Like we were not, it's not that we're not right now, but we were all kind of like playing together for that many years, like Gabby, Will, me, Zach, Mickey. You didn't really need a lot of leadership in that team. We would just kind of like go with the flow, and it was more than enough for us. We didn't need like a guy to stand up and try to do something extra. Uh, so I, I didn't have that, and I think that's something that at some point later in my career would help me to kind of have a, a feeling for what it means to be a leader and help the guys around you play better and, you know, kind of manage the team a little more, things about think, thinking about more things that are not viable, things outside of the core, helping guys around. I, I wanted this. And on top, that's for non-viable kind of thing or whatever. For more like viable skills, I wanted a season where I would get a lot of load attacking, not going to lie. That's with Gabby and me, it was like, and Zach was even. Gabby would get a little more usually, but it was kind of even. I knew this year was going to be a little different, and I think it would allow me to get more... I don't know, more comfortable in my game, get new shots in, figure out different situations because I'm not going to have a one block up ever probably this season. I haven't had one so far, I think. So uh, always having two guys up on me, hey, you got you to gotta find solutions. You got to work outside of your comfort zone. And I, I was excited to come back and have this. And so far, it hasn't, hasn't let me down. I've had that, and I think I've gotten much better at it. Well, has it been tougher than you thought it would be? Oh, this, this 100%. Season? Yeah. Um, not for volleyball. Volleyball, I was hoping it would be a little easier, but I knew that it wasn't. Kind C- of like, certainly the setter position and, and yeah. the lack of continuity there has yes, been hard to manage. For sure. Yeah. But for volleyball-wise, I was expecting it to be a little bit easier, but it, this is not surprising me, the spot we're at. And I think we're getting better. That's all we needed. Like, it, it's okay. Uh, but all the other things, dealing with, like, different guys' personalities... And when this guy's struggling, what do you do to help him? How are you a good friend? How are you a good captain? How are you a good leader? Those things 
oh my gosh, like way harder than I could have ever imagined. And being the I'm, burden of being that guy. Yeah, and I, I'm, it's not a burden. I'm not the guy that has to do it, but I want to do it. And sure. as if you are a leader, you're kind of supposed to. And it takes a toll on you because it's not easy. And I'm not good at it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to admit it right away. I could be much better at like getting maybe better relationship with the guys, getting to know them better outside the court. But when you're dealing with school, all the pressure that I have right now from or just playing, a little bit of injuries, figuring out what I got to do next year, graduating, having my last couple months in the U.S. where I still want to have fun, all these things, on top of that, you put having to help everybody else or wanting to help everybody else, it's not easy. So I know I could do a better job at it, but it's, it's definitely been very challenging, and I, I learned a lot from it, though. Yeah, it's interesting to see what, I guess, leadership uh, things you learn because yeah. being a leader is hard like yep. it's so hard to lead a group effectively of people because you want to be like how much you want to be liked how much of a bad cop do you have to be yet you still have your own thing to do right yeah no, no it can be really hard and it's not just volleyball if it was just volleyball it would be much easier <coughs> but it's not so it's not just volleyball yeah meaning off the court stuff as it relates exactly. to the team if you're just like gotcha. hey you're gonna play well volleyball and like get 20 kills a game and that's going to do it because you get 20 kills a game, the guys are going to be a little more free playing. They're going to be more confident. Is that, that's all you got to do? Oh, man, I'll do that easy. Like, maybe I won't get 20 kills, but it's like I can work on that, and it's going to be relatively yeah. easy. You've had 29 this. Yeah. you got a sure. career high in a, yeah. in a fifth set in there. Yeah, but all those great. things outside of the court are the hard ones for sure. Gotcha. What's next for you <laughs> after the season? Uh, You're going to graduate? Yeah. I, I still have... Uh, to take a couple classes that I'm gonna take like either, either spring or independent studies. What's your but major, by the way? Business management. Got business management. School. What do you? Yeah. Congratulations. Married school is awesome. Yeah. What do you want to do? I'm gonna play volleyball. <laughs> of course. <laughs> For sure. But I right after the season's over, I'm gonna have to head back to Italy. There's gonna be the VNL, which is all around Europe this year, not just in a bubble in Italy. So it's gonna be a little oh, more nice. exciting. For those who don't know, volleyball nations league. Yes. Basically, it's the world championship. Exactly. Uh, they have it every year, so it's a good moment for like teams to try new guys or like younger guys and give you some experience. I already talked to the coaches. I think I'm gonna have like um, a lot of playing time, which is good for me. I need that level to get ready for like next year or whatever. Uh, so and then, the Americans can watch you in the Olympics. Yes, maybe, <laughs> hopefully, <laughs> just in the Olympics. I'll be watching you in Vienna. Yeah, <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. And then we have the World Championship this summer, which is a big deal, and I uh, hope I hope I'll make it. I have a lot of work because. I'm good for the NCA, but that for that extra level, like the extra professional league, I need to learn a couple of things more, and I need to get some experience. And I hope the BNL is going to be enough for me. I'm not sure. If it's enough, I'll go to the World Championship. If not, it means I'm going to have to work more. And, and then I go back to the club that I'll pick and I'll sign a contract with and just start working there. And for those who don't know, uh, volleyball in the United States, domestically, there's no, there is a league, but it's not a huge deal right now. People think the best league is in Italy. Yeah. Right? Yep. Poland has a good league. Uh, you know, France and whatnot. Like, Brazil, Russia. Yeah. Yep, all over. Taylor Sanders basically been in almost all of them. <laughs> yes. It's been awesome. Now he's <laughs> yes. on the stands. To be able to play in your home country would be pretty cool. Absolutely. There's an opportunity there for yep. sure for you, which is exciting. That's where Gabby Garcia Fernandez is. Yes. Which is pretty cool. I think Dubai has one. That's where Brandon Sanders. Like, yeah. Volleyball, I, I hope one day America has a domestic league that is comparable that is good enough, like MLS is in soccer, where yeah. it's like, basically it's the retirement league yeah, of yeah, good yeah, players yeah, from absolutely. Europe. 
I know what you're saying. Like, oh, cool, Thierry Henry's with New York. Yes. Like, David Beckham's with L.A. or yep. whatever. I hope at, we at least get that at some point. I don't know if we will, man. I hope so, but I'm not so sure. Women's volleyball is growing a ton. Men's volleyball is growing, of course, at the D2 and 3 level. Yeah. But D1, there's not a lot of adding. Luckily, Stanford kept the school yes. team. Right? That's good. But that would be awesome one day, right? Like, yeah. there would be a, a huge market for that. Rugby's growing. I'm, I'm involved yeah. with that in the U.S. Like, volleyball's so bad to have I a I think NFL, NBA, MLB, hockey, they're just so big. that I don't know if there is a market or, like, an opportunity for another sport in this country. Like, F1's so... trying to crack in. Yes. The Netflix series has done yeah, a lot I of good that. for that. Yeah. I haven't watched it yet. Because I know I'll get into it. Yeah. <laughs> so like, <laughs> so you're I, trying to I have to create the bandwidth yes. for that. And like, F1, I'll be watching. Um, yeah. Yeah, that would be cool. But the fact that you can go home and play in Italy would be... It's going to be really cool, for sure. Yeah. That would be awesome. I'm excited for it. Well, sweet. I appreciate you taking an hour, man. Um, this was an amazing opportunity to just pick your brain on a bunch of things. Yeah. And it's been super fun to hang out with you consistently for four years. Yeah. And I'm super glad you chose BYU, man, over UCLA. <laughs> Absolutely. You had to rep the Y for four years. I loved it. Exactly. That's well, decision. Thanks for the time. Yeah, thank Good you. luck with everything. Thank you so much, man. Appreciate it. Okay, that'll do it for us. Listen to previous episodes on the BYU Radio app or where podcasts are found. For David Gardini, don't call him David Garden. Producer Adam Woodall, I'm Jerem Jordan. You just listen to Deep Blue on BYU Radio.